Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, they all together. Are you with me now? Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And uh, we're going to... Second pod in a row, we don't really have a full uh, agenda. Yeah, no, because it's... Everybody's still... Like, you know, like, it's weird because how Hollywood works is that, you know, they go, it's like award season, it's end of the year, and then it goes into Sundance. So, like, there's all this stuff where it's, there's this lull, and then we'll start getting news about, like, stuff that's coming in. And, I mean, I guess even Zaz takes time off Uh, because there's no fucking, there's no fucking Zaz ruining, Zaz ruining more, more. No, Um, I mean, we were just talking about it before we jumped in, but yeah, the DC fans are trying to, to ruin, like, or not ruin, but like, just be pushy about the Superman casting thing, which there is no casting. There's not even a fucking script. (laughs) Like, like, why is it that, like, you know, like, this is the this is the funny part. This is where, like, I feel like this is why they hired James Gunn, is because he knows how to interact with fandom, even toxic fandom, in a way that doesn't feel like, you're fucking stupid, but it still feels like, you're fucking stupid. I yeah. mean, it's like, it's like, if, like, like, I don't, like, sometimes, I want to, I want to give DC fans credit, because I'm a DC fan. And you're a DC fan, but at the same time, it's like these dumb nuts are just dumb. Like you don't cast before a script. Like if there's no script, like especially with somebody like James Gunn, he's not going to cast before he has the script. Yeah, I, I I just don't like you cast before the script and you get Black Adam, and maybe that's what they want. They want the, 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 the shifting <laughs> the hierarchy, man. The, the rock is going to beat the shit out of me one of these days. <laughs> he's just going to, he's, here's the hierarchy, the people's hierarchy. Um, I mean, then, that, that story I, does get more and more like a soap opera ish. The more, yes. the more time of the further away we get from it. It's just like, Oh, good Lord. Are we dealing with like a full on, like we knew he was diva ish, but like, is he, just straight up out and out diva at this point like it's put me in a position where i'm having to rethink my thoughts on vin diesel (laughs) 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 which does not make me comfortable because in the rock vin diesel feud i was definitely team vin diesel (laughs) i mean team the rock team team the the rock Rock, yeah absolutely i'm always i i i just you know, yeah, Vin Diesel. I mean, that, that's just that's one of those ones where you just kind of sit back and go, "Why isn't Paul Walker here? <laughs> yeah, why isn't Paul Walker here? Because like in this in this fight, I just Maybe want Paul. Could, I like, yeah, he could fix it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> or at least uh, calm everybody down. So I know seriously. Um, and, and I don't know, like, yeah, it's just like like the, the fans want fucking Jacob Alordi for some reason. And I'm just like, okay, guys, calm down. 
like really calm down you guys are sounding like fucking idiots here like proposing that that this is casting is said and done rumors who the fuck is your rumor rumor mill like is it oscar the grouch that's like living in a trash can right next yeah, to warner brothers I... and like heard something somebody said tell some dumb fuck telling james gunn oh yeah jacob lordy he's great right and it's just like just shut up and let the like this is the man that i for better or for worse turned chris pratt who let us not forget chris pratt was a lovable lout in parks and rec we're actually going through a rewatch of parks and rec and his andy dwyer as to where he's where he started and where he ended is completely different but he he casted he was the final person that like basically pulled the gun no pun intended. Absolutely a fucking pun intended. Pulled the gun, uh, pulled the trigger of the gun that was the Chris Pratt show, right? Yeah. I mean, like, if you look at his casting, he is impeccable about casting. Like, how do you get, like, how do you get, like, how are you smart enough to understand that Dave Bautista needs to be in your movie? But he's he's a smart enough actor to do the Drax work, right? Because yeah. regardless of what the, the regardless of what Batista has said recently about like, you know, he's like, you know, Drax isn't a hard character to play. It really is because it's a tonally, it's a very tricky thing. Uh, Superman, I feel, is like on par with the trickiness of something like Drax or Groot, right? Because yeah, there's, it, there's, there's got to be that like weird sincerity to it, like without being too hokey or cheesy or oh gosh or you know like it, it's gotta be it's i mean it, it's it's gotta be christopher reeve yeah. i mean like that's like that 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 ca- like richard donner casting like fighting for chris reeve that's like plus or minus zero percent like that's I'm, perfect casting I'll tell you, you know, and we've texted it. I told you I, I just finished season one of Superman and Lois. Yeah. Which Tyler, I can't pronounce his last name, Ho- Hochin? I, I, yeah, I think I, it's Hochin. Um, who? Hochilin. Uh, Ho- Hochilin. Yeah. Hochilin. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's okay. He I mean, is. He's the, the, the little fucking, kid from the, yeah. the little kid from Road to Perdition. Yeah, um, which I mean, wow, what? Uh, yeah, what a what a journey that kid has had to yep. <laughs> to be Superman. I mean, he was he was kind of like the teen heartthrobish mm-hmm. thing on Teen Wolf, the MTV show, right? Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people were like, uh, you know, Gaga over him for that, but like him as Clark slash Superman literally the worst thing about his performance is the suit that they put him in, which is the trunkless Superman <sighs> suit, the Henry Cavill suit, uh, the, which, you know, they, they did it in the comics too. They went trunkless. Yeah. Um, and it just, I, I hate that suit, but that's just me. But yeah, he nails that like sincerity that, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it is such a, 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 good show it does have the like the cw-ness of it but um superman wise and lois like she's a great like she channels margot kidder man which as a kid i hated margot kidder's lois lane (laughs) i just i did not like her at all um Mm -hmm. 
but it, it's similar in vain to I was talking to uh, Spencer. He's been watching Cheers, and oh, he, okay. he he's like, man, I never watched Cheers, but like I started watching it, and like um, she's just great. Uh, uh, what's her name? As uh, Diane. Oh, um, Shelley Long. Yeah, Shelley. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I'm like, you know what's funny, man? When I was a kid. I would watch Cheers with my mom. I hated Shelly Long. Like, I hated her, man. Like, I thought she was the most annoying. Just, like, I was just like, why is she always just ruining everybody's good time? I was like, and then as an adult, I rewatched Cheers, and I'm like, Shelly Long is brilliant. <laughs> she really is. She she's really just, is. She's, to allow yourself to just be that person. <laughs> For all yeah. of those people. Like it's like when I rewatch Seinfeld now and I'm just like, Jason Alexander is <sighs> probably the glue that held this whole show together because he allows himself to be the butt of so many just crappy things. Like yeah. you know, and I mean but also just isn't that way, but you know, not to But no no no, I get but, you but I get your point. It's like there's this thing where certain roles come with certain baggage. And if you don't lean into that baggage, it doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Like, like with Lois, part of the reason why Lois works with like, you know, now, like, you know, like I, like you, like I was very annoyed with Margot Kidder, but then now I watch it and she's so utterly charming because she doesn't, she doesn't want to like, it's never said in the Superman movie that she never wants to fit into the like role of woman reporter and just doing stupid things like stupid, like glamor shoot photo, like interview bullshit. Yeah. Like she wants to do the hard work as a reporter. And like, that's the thing that I love about her character is that it's never said, but she's always pressing. She's literally, she's literally like, Instead of her being um, like in um, what's the one um, with Cary Grant and um, Claudia Colbert? Uh, no, no, not uh, Claudia Colbert. Um, God damn it, I can't think of the movie. The one where they play news reporters, not from oh Page, his girl Friday. His girl Friday. Yeah, she is both. Like the best part about that is that even though they take visual reference from uh, from Cary Grant for Christopher Reeve, like for Clark, she is both. Cary Grant and I cannot think of her name for the life of me. Uh, um, yeah, one, me either. But she is both characters because yep. she is the she like it's always funny when you watch it if you don't notice it she is always the super good reporter and Clark is always the one that's leaning behind her and following her because he's like making sure that she's not like whatever she whatever shit she's getting into of course you know superman's there to save the day but it's never like like what i find brilliant about it is it's never discussed in the movie like you know her role as someone who's pushing up against the ceiling um and like it's weird how like it has to be there's certain things that you have to take with that with that thing that can come off as annoying or shrill. Same way with Jason Alexander. Like, Jason Alexander as... I mean, Jesus, George Costanza, like, he is the show. Like, I don't care what anybody wants to say. Seinfeld, like, Jerry is boring as shit. Like, let me give you my, like, critique of this. Jerry is boring as shit because all all it is is a series of women that he has problems with, right? Yep. Uh, 
Cosmo. I mean, we're not even going to talk. Like, I'm not a big fan of anything that he gets himself into, right? But any time, like, George is, like, the normal us of, like, frustrated person that doesn't understand the stupidity of minutia that I don't know what it is, but as I've gotten, maybe it's because I'm becoming a grumpy old man, but as I've gotten older, there is a brilliance to Jason Alexander's stupidity and the way that they write him. And I think it's also because Larry David, like, I mean, Larry David was George and George was Larry David. Right. And like of the writers, Larry David is the more brilliant of them. We can see by watching, you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm and it may have like, People may get annoyed with it and may hate it, but they can't not call it brilliantly insightful about like guys like that. I mean, what's George. funny about that is like he's my when I do watch that show, he's my least uh-huh. favorite part because he's not an actor. So like, yeah, he's he's always just on the verge of ruining the scene. Like you can yes. see it in his face where he's yes. just like he's so ready to just like crack up. At whatever they're doing and like uh jason alexander you know i mean i'm sure he ruined some takes but like you know in in the scenes where like he's supposed to be angry like when he gets there man like he really gets there you know yeah and, it, and i mean haven't we all <clears throat> had a boss like steinbrenner Oh my I mean, God. literally <laughs> haven't we all at one point had a boss like steinbrenner and just looking and just Somebody who just, I, I just, oh my God, dude. Like, I, the more, the, the more time that goes on, like, the more I realize how brilliant Seinfeld was and, like, certain things. Like, like, Jason Alexander. But, I mean, like, what makes it brilliant is that he does warts and all, right? Like, that's the thing, right? The warts and all. Like, takes, takes everything. But doesn't look at it as, like, a disadvantage, right? Like, yeah. the same way that Margot Kidder didn't look at it as a disadvantage. They looked at it as, like, oh, I can... I can really get in there and dig deep into this. And like, that's the thing, even with Superman, like you you have those things there to take it back to like, how the fuck did we get from super, like from Superman to Seinfeld? Like, that's amazing. That's brilliant. I mean, they are, they are connected, but you know, not, not in the way we got there. No, Uh, no, definitely not. I, I want to like, uh, breaks on that. And I want to ask you about something because we tweeted this. So, you recently did a deep dive into an 80s action franchise and realized yes. that you actually had not seen a movie that you would have sworn on a Bible you hadn't watched as a child. <laughs> yes. So in, in my review is going to be posting, uh, uh, going to be posting next week um, on the missing in action trilogy. It's about to be released uh, in two weeks. Uh, they're, Kino Lorber is bringing out like these beautiful Blu-rays. Um, I don't know how such a disgusting, ugly action film uh, series got such beautiful Blu-rays, but they did. Um, and so like I was sitting there watching it. And I don't know if this has ever happened to anybody, but you it dawns on you that just by osmosis, you feel like you've like this is one of those things where I think it was buried so deep down that just by osmosis of like everybody talking about these things when I was a kid, that I that I had seen both Missing in Action, the original, and Braddock, Missing in Action 3. But in reality, what I had thought was all three of them was actually Missing in Action 2, the beginning. Um, 
And it's just so weird because like I was watching it. I was watching the first one. I was like, this is not the movie. This is not like like this is not fucking Chuck Norris in a POW camp, like like getting out of the POW camp. This is like literally Rambo, like, you know, Rambo to the ripoff, right? Like yep. him going into into like Vietnam and then finding these POWs who not who are not even his friends, right? They're just POW people or POWs, like it's just he's going in to like right the wrongs um and so yeah, yeah. i i'm just like i was baffled because i was like okay so mission impossible 2 when i find when i watched it i was like oh shit this was the thing that i thought was the entire trilogy but it uh, it is easy mis- to mistake uh the second one for the first one because it's yes. called missing in action to the beginning because it becomes a prequel <laughs> to <Yeah>. the first <laughs> movie <laughs> which so like if you know canon lore like here's the funniest part is is that the like they made a deal with chuck norris for two two movies and he made missing action one and two back to back and when they watched the like in literally like so much so that they had they couldn't hire the director because they wanted to release it right away. Um, but what ended up happening was, is that they felt that mis- the, the set, uh, the first one was such a terrible movie that they wouldn't be able to release the second one. So they released the second one first after like two weeks of editing, which it tell you can very much tell that the first missing in action is a movie that has these certain moments that feel like dead airs in them. And uh, coupled with things that are like too rushed, it, it definitely needed another at least month of editing. But the funny, funniest part is, is that when I want like missing in action two, the, the the first one, the original first one, right? Like that's what I think of as a like as the cliche of Vietnam movies. It's so weird because it's like it's not a bad movie. In fact, it's a little bit more polished, but. It doesn't have it doesn't have Chuck Norris as Chuck Norris. Like Chuck Norris as Chuck Norris is missing in action where he's all sweaty and bearded and yeah. he's got muscles and he's got his okay, so have you ever noticed that Chuck Chuck Norris he has a uniform in all his movies? It's the Canadian tuxedo. Yeah. I, brilliantly, I never noticed it. But like all of his movies, Lone Wolf McQuaid, this one, Firewalker, any of these He's always in a Canadian. Like, uh, what's the what's the one where he blew up Atlanta? Um, oh uh, God! At Christmas time too. It was uh, Invasion USA. Yeah. He ha- he has he has the Canadian tuxedo, and I'm like, oh, Get they want those guns, man. Serious. Well, and the third one, the third one is his Rambo three. Like, yeah. literally, it's his fucking Rambo three because he goes back in to find his half American, half Vietnamese child. And then becomes this whole thing about like saving the the children of sexual assault and like relationships that were left behind by uh, PO, uh, U.S. soldiers, and like getting these orphans out of Cambodia. Like it is so kind of like weird a message movie coupled with a whole bunch of violence that I'm just like, what? I. I these are wild pieces of cocaine fueled action B movie them, dude. Um, but it was weird because it was like, it was like a treat to watch. Like when I, like 10 minutes in, when I saw Reagan show up 
in missing action one and they gave him like this like he should have a and a special appearance by ronald reagan because like all of these video this video footage of him i was like i have not seen this fucking movie where's the helicopter crash Where's Chuck Norris jumping? Chuck Norris's uh, brother Aaron Norris, his stunt double for God knows how long, jumping out of an airplane, uh, out of a helicopter in slow motion. And then I had this whole quick scramble, and then I was like, "Oh shit, I've not seen this movie. Let's rewind this and actually <laughs> like actively watch it." And wow, dude! Like I was, I was genuinely surprised at how much fun I had with both of these movies, even though I'd never seen them. Um, they're not okay, like. Like, I know that people, I don't think that people have gotten accustomed to, like, unless they've really deep dived into my, into my site of, like, what I find is, like, the, uh, like, the, the convext of entertainment for me. And oftentimes, I have this very, I mean, you know that I have, like, like, this is what me and Ryan shared, is this love of, like, they're not bad movies. They're just wonkily executed movies. Like one of, like one of, I know, uh, I know one of uh, Ryan's favorites, and it was one of mine. It's it's something that we bond over, uh, bonded over was Dawn uh, Steel Dawn. Yeah. Um, if nobody's ever seen that movie, oh my god! Like it is, it is Patrick Swayze at his swayziest, even more than Roadhouse, in a post-apocalyptic movie with a sword and. Like there's mo- there's like there's like like training montages and it's all set in like a desert with like tr- abandoned trucks and that's what they cause the apocalypse. But I will tell you, it's a brilliant piece of post-apocalyptic movie because it's like it's like cyborg, but instead of instead of Jean Claude Van Damme and his kind of certain anti charm, it's literally Patrick Swayze at his swayziest and is sweatiest it's 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 weird because uh which i have a similar story um and we'll get to that in a second but huh? it's weird because those movies in the 80s that were considered just utter garbage like direct yeah. to video like just nonsense like you they're so much better than the crap that actually is crap they yeah. get sent like straight to not I shouldn't say say straight to streaming because a lot of stuff goes straight to streaming now. But like, you know what I mean when I'm like, yeah, no, no, like, I do. It has no real release. It's just something that shows up on Netflix or whatever. In like, they're just they're garbage. They're they're Hallmark movies with yeah. with bigger budgets. You know, with violence and swearing and sex. It's like these actors are terrible. Like. The you know movies like uh like we're talking about Still Dawn and uh, all all the Chuck Norris movies, I mean they're they're never they're they're never gonna win Oscars or even Golden Globes, <laughs> um, <No>. but <laughs> they're they're still like relatively well put together. They're enjoyable. Yes. Like that you can watch them and n- like not feel dumber for having watched them (laughs) you know guilty yeah or yeah oh um but yeah yeah, i tweeted you and said uh remind me to tell you about stripes (laughs) yes it's not quite the same story but so 
like a lot of people when when in the late 80s early 90s as a young person i loved oh i still love bill murray i know he's complicated now but i i do still like bill murray he shouldn't act the way he acts sometimes but i like bill murray um so uh, yeah as a kid you know i loved ghostbusters uh, you know it, any anything that would show up on my TV with Bill Murray, we would I would watch, you know. So mm-hmm. Stripes was one of those movies that like TBS played like every other week because they had yes. the rights to it. So like I saw Stripes. I saw what I thought was all of Stripes for a very, very long time. You know, like years, yes. I would watch it on TV. I thought that the movie ended with the the march the the um the train not just not training but their their sequence you know the army yeah. training sir you know with the rifles and every I I thought that that was the end of the movie like oh. I thought that's all there was to the stripes <laughs> Oh my god so you never you didn't know the whole Berlin action scene <laughs> So oh my god. Cut to probably I don't know, a decade later. And um I'd only ever saw it on TV and only ever saw it with commercials. So that's like an hour or something into the movie by then. Um yeah. uh because they take commercial breaks every 15 minutes. So uh I'm me and my girlfriend at the time are living together and I'm amassing a a VHS collection. This was right before DVDs kind of like took off. Um, mm-hmm. And I, every week I would go buy a couple of VHS tapes relatively cheap, um, 10 bucks. And uh, I, I go in, I forget where it was, but they had Stripes. I was like, oh, I love Stripes. Uh, and she had never seen it. So I buy it and we go home. Uh-huh. And we watch it, and I'm having a good time. I don't think she really enjoyed it. But um, we get past that scene, and I was like, what What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, I've never oh seen God, this. I'm like, I've never seen, like, the Winnebago thing. Like, none of that. <laughs> I've never seen any of, like, the whole last half of the movie, I had never seen. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, all of the, uh, the, the Joe... Um... What's his name? Uh, Joe Farrell yeah. uh, uh, as as a um, as a Czechoslovakian yep. uh, soldier. Oh my god, dude! You, like that is hilarious, dude. Like I I don't know what I would have done because it's like it turns into an action movie. Like it does. literally, like this is Ivan like two separate into, movies. <laughs> yes, like literally has like my my favorite joke of all time is in that movie, which is is that. Um, is the moment where Harold Ramis turns into an action hero. And then they like at the end where they're doing the salutes to everybody and everybody gets a magazine, which, okay, like let's talk about how troubling it is that PJ souls gets a playboy magazine as her magazine. Like, come on, dude, come on. Like, I know it was of the time, but my favorite part is when they do the Harold Ramis and it's guts and guns. And it's just him with an Uzi side shooting it. And like, with this like action hero like face that he contorting like when I think about it it's like Harold Ramis is like a lot of things. I mean Egon like (laughs) he's not that which I find hilarious. Um 
uh, like it's like one of my favorite little bits of everything. Um, that and then also the fact that um, like I didn't get the, like I mean when you're a kid you don't get some of these jokes, but you don't get the joke that that you know you cast um, like you as like Sergeant Holka like you cast like one of the who is ultimately one of the manliest men of the 1970s with his work in um like bring me the head in, uh, of alfredo garcia um and all of the other work that he did with sam peckinpah in warren oates like sergeant holka as War like warren oates is like that's a brilliant bit of casting right like but you don't get it until the action scene stuff. Like it's like hilarious. Like and he's stuck on top of the fucking RV. Yeah. Like I don't know. Like stripes is like like I I could not imagine like mind blown of like like nineteen to twenty year old Logan seeing this other half. But not only that, but it's like it's not a comedy. It turns into like a full on action movie with this RV from hell. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I was blown away, man. And I, I mean, to this day, like, it, it's kind of like I, I, I do the reverse. It's like uh, A Few Good Men is the reverse for me. I, I don't care about watching the first, like, hour and a half yes. of that movie. <laughs> really only care yeah. about the, the scene in the court um, with, you know, I'll watch that whole courtroom scene. But, like, even with Stripes, um, I, I the back half of the movie is fine. I love it. But I'm mm -hmm. so, I was so in love with the first you know, 45 minutes or whatever it is of that movie yeah. that like I, it, it does really become a separate movie. So like I, you know, it, if I'm watching it, which is rare, but um, the few times I've watched it, I kind of just check out after that. Um, just because that that's where my brain goes. That's where the movie ends, you know? So, um, but yeah, it is, it, it was so funny. I was just like, I've never seen this. She was like, I thought you loved Stripes. I was like, I thought I did too. I, do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love, I love all the, like the, the, the stepping montage is great. The, them mm -hmm. at the, the club, uh, the rodeo, whatever, like that's with the, like the wrestling. The mud wrestling. Yeah. Yes. Like that, that, that's great. You know, it, it's, it, you know, it's, it's hysterical. And then the back half is fine too. But like you say, it's like a totally different movie. It's a, it's an action comedy. It's, you know, uh, yeah, it's so funny. Um, but uh, we, we should have talked about this when we were talking about the WB because we both watched something that has been much hyped that hit HBO yes. Max this week. And I, uh, I've actually seen some responses on Twitter from other people who feel similarly. So Velma premiered this week on HBO Max, two episodes. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like, I really want to like this. <laughs> yeah, I do too, but I don't. Like, that. Like I've watched both episodes twice now because I had such a I I had such a like it wasn't like the reaction I had to Harley Quinn which like I feel like they're trying really hard to do this that I don't know like it's just everything about it is just I feel like and I like I like the creatives involved um uh but everything about it it's just from 
the conception like from the concept up i don't like it like i just it's not for me like i can't i can't say it's not well made because it is but, yeah, the, the animation is fine the voice work yeah. is fine um like the cast is great uh i think you're right the creatives are fine the jokes are so obvious it's so like, family guy like, like yeah yeah like it's very very like so like there's an opening scene like okay so this is like i know this sounds weird but this is what turned me off was they leaned into the whole high schooler girl naked porky's bullshit of yeah. like it, while but, trying to make a joke about it and yeah. i'm like i get what you're doing and i know you like i get why why doing the trope while mocking the trope is a thing that, but like that's also a thing we've seen done so many other places and also infinitely better <laughs> like yes you're not bringing anything new to the table you're recycling things that i mean family guy's a good comparison like when family guy started it was like oh we've never seen anybody do stuff like this on television like yep. uh at least not for a while you know and he was kind of pushing an envelope not like some big envelope but like he was kind of pushing it and then but like once those boundaries were pushed out like okay man like we know that you're you're pushing boundaries but like okay you just reestablish new boundaries and now it's just not that funny anymore you know like it really isn't and that, that my biggest problem with the show is it's not funny. Like it's not. Hardly, I had a tough time with the first few episodes because I, I guess m mostly probably because I wasn't prepared for like the links that the show would go to. Um, mm -hmm. but like once it calmed down and kind of found its groove, like I. And it was more than just about like making jokes and it was about like actual character development. Um, it, it really, really like I, I loved it. I know we're only two episodes into this show, but like the character development is so haphazard and just like we're not going to it's not development. It's just no them telling you things like yeah the, the closest thing they get to development is it, towards the end of what the second episode daphne and velma have these like weird like lovey-dovey kind of moments like will they won't they moments and I, yeah. I i guess it's about maybe velma realizing that she's gay and that that's great but and I, I know I can't really speak on like what that journey should look like, but what they were doing was not at all interesting. I don't think. No, not at all. Like, like, okay. So let, let's take the, like for me, let's take Harley and Velma as, as comparatives and through lines. It's like Velma, they want to get to the, they want to take season one to where Harley took season three. Like, 
they didn't want to do they don't want to do the work to build up to it because like i feel like harley built up to her and ivy's relationship oh for sure i mean they they don't realize that they're in in love with each other until the end of season two like she's getting married you know like (laughs) and and you're you're right sorry i I interrupted sorry but yeah you're 100 percent right yeah yeah no and and i feel like from from the whole like the whole concept of it i feel like like next week we're gonna find out that shaggy got stoned like because they do this whole hard thing about him not being a stoner and him not oh my god yeah like the the in the it's in the first episode i think he says something like uh and not drugs because i don't like drugs and i'm like that's not a joke man (laughs) like it's not it's not like uh you know you're a you're broadcasting like your character development you know like yeah it's just so i mean for for all of that they could have just made him like this hardcore religious person who stumbles into drugs you know like it's it's so freaking weird and just yeah, that's where my problems are. The jokes aren't really fun. Like, I didn't laugh at anything. And these are characters. I love Scooby-Doo. I love oh, yeah. Scooby-Doo. So, um, but uh, actually, hold on just a second. Sure. I have to, the, the heat is running and not turning off, and I'm sweating. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Hold on. Dude, yeah. No worries, man. No, 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 no worries. No worries um, whatsoever. Um. But yeah, like I don't like like going back to the the whole thing, this whole like stoner thing. I like okay, so like I just don't know like like from the concept, like 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 my biggest problem with the first episode is the way that they introduce Daphne and they kind of take away all her agency by showing her up naked but with bubbles on her privates, right? Basically a, yeah. a bubble bikini. And then from then that point forward she's just an object like she's just a sexualized over sexualized object that even velma is susceptible to and then then like fred like the whole thing with fred being like a like a a man child or something child yeah Yeah. literally a man child because he had not gone through puberty yet um it just like from like just the concepts that they're dealing with i'm like so obviously like you took the most obvious entryway into the scooby-doo universe like you basically like every 16 year old has the conversation like at least of a certain age had a like kayling uh, kayling is our age like you know she's in her she's in her early 40s early to mid 40s so literally she's just taking the conversations that everybody had when they were 15 16 that they were a geek and kind of like you yeah a hundred percent it would be like making a modern day smurf <laughs> show and it just being about how there's one female smurf and they all just want to get with smurfette like yes yeah that was the shit we talked about on the playground man like it's funny but it's funny for like five seconds when you're 16 you know or yeah. 14 or the, you know and, and this just is not yeah, it it doesn't add anything to the mythos, um, which you know, 
I know it sounds weird to talk about the mythos of Scooby-Doo and there's all, yes, there's different, you know, types of or different versions of there is a scooby-doo multiverse weirdly yes enough. there is um but like for good or bad almost all versions of scooby-doo add something new to the mythos um you know in yeah. some cases it is bad it's scrappy do but you know in some cases it's you know james gunn's two scooby-doo films which you know, uh, kind of reinvigorate or recontextualize like who these characters are, you know, um, like <laughs> that's a good point uh, because he makes like those movies make a Shaggy and Scooby or Stoner joke like in the first five minutes of the first movie. Yes. That's really fu- actually funny, <laughs> you know, it- because <laughs> the is. fan is just like pouring smoke and you know like like that's funny because it subverts the joke you know um it, it, yeah i i don't know it, i'm probably gonna keep watching but yeah we're in we're not alone so i yeah. scrolling through twitter this morning and i saw several uh creative people um one uh gail simone uh a claimed oh. comic book writer like she she said i could not make it through the first episode sorry guys that's rough yeah well and, and here's the thing is that i don't think that scooby or velmar anything in the scooby-doo universe deserves an x-rated version of it because i mean that's essentially what we're getting or yeah. getting an r-rated version like especially when you consider that like, let's talk about the fact that there is a movie out there that was just recently made, like, not even three years ago, um, and a sequel to that movie that's never going to be fucking released that are perfect new ways of doing it that give it to an audience that sh- deserves Scooby-Doo. Scoob. Yeah. Um, and, and then the Scoob sequel that we're so never going It really was, and... Like, everybody, like, it managed to be just the right amount of hip, but just the right amount of kid. And that's the thing I think, ultimately, where I fall, is that there are some things that you can break. You can bend things to, to like, they're elastic enough to bend. I don't think Scooby-Doo and the Mystery, uh, like, the Mystery Van Incorporated can be bent to make it five steps further than Riverdale, right? Because I mean, essentially that's what they're using as the reference. At least that's yeah. to me what it feels like, right? It would it very much end. have been like, so uh, I know Rick and Morty has its legions of fans. I'm not among yes. them, but, okay. you know, I, I get it. But that, Rick and Morty is Doc and Marty. Like, yes. that's what that show, it would be like if Rick and Morty we're back to the future, the cartoon, it would be like, no, this is not yeah. okay. Like you're, you're just bastardizing these, these IP for, to just tell dirty jokes. Like I, now I know Rick and Morty's way deeper than that, but like you, you I mean, this, the, there is nothing in this show that makes it have to be a Scooby-Doo show. You no, know. it really doesn't, especially because they don't have fucking Scooby Doo. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I, I know it's about Velma, but like, yeah, you know, I and I don't know. Maybe I would like to hear somebody speak on this. That this actually, I'm I'm a 40 year old white dude, so I I can't really have a say so in this argument. But the whole Daphne is half Asian thing. I would like to hear somebody talk about that. Like, I'm not opposed to it, but like, where is this? Like, I mean, as somebody who's been part, who's part Japanese, I'm a quarter Japanese, right? Like, okay, so yeah. like, like, let's let's talk about this, like, because I know that we've talked about this, but I've never talked about this on the podcast. Like, okay, so like, I'm a biracial man, um, in his forties. Like, I'm I'm half white, uh part uh, a quarter uh, a quarter mexican and a quarter japanese um like there's nothing in this other than constant woo's like voice that i feel is like like even the design of her feels slightly inappropriately like like it, it just sl- feels slightly inappropriate because it doesn't it's not like it's like I know that all of them are heightened, but hers it feels like because you're doing like because okay, so here's the thing. Because Velma is done I feel like her design is done very artfully and Daphne's is done very severely. It just brings out the the inappropriateness of the way that they designed her, right? Like not <clears throat> like I understand that she's supposed to be a cheerleader or whatever she's supposed she's supposed to be queen, whatever mean girl, but there's a way to do that to not over accentuate and over exploit certain things. And I don't think that they did that. Because yeah. like there's this subtlety to like the way that Velma is designed and there's an oh like even even Shaggy Norville, as they call him, um, there's a there's a sort of subtlety to it, but the Fred and Daphne characters, there's an extremity to it, which I understand that the, the Fred right because like Fred is the butt of the joke, right? Like that's ultimately what yeah. they're trying to do. But the Daphne one, it's a little bit more troubling because it's like it's the severe eyes, it's the over sexualized body, and Again, I understand what they were going for, but maybe a step two or three back. I don't know. Like it, it's a very well, like, weird. Is is she Asian because they got Constance Wu to voice her? But, I, no, but it's like, the eyes. It's the eyes, and that's what troubles me. Is that the only thing is is that they give her the they give her the almond eyes, but those almond eyes are so severe and weird that it makes me feel like. And then they have the red hair, of course, like which. I don't know, like, dude, it's it's a troubling kind of thing where, like you said, and constant, like, thank God, constant Wu, Constance Wu isn't doing a, God forbid, Tiger Lily or like over exaggerated yeah. Dragon Lady like like accent, because that would have been fucking highly inappropriate. It's it's getting into very troubling areas that I'm like, okay, you've got to. I guess it's like because it's the first two episodes. Maybe giving it, like you said, a little bit of breathing room. Like, let's see what happens, and maybe they might be able to do it. But I, I would actually love to hear what the Asian community is going to have to say. Like, I, I follow a lot of like, 
Like I do, I, I, because of the fact that I'm Asian, like I follow a lot of like Asian culture, um, like, you know, uh, um, social media accounts. And then also people that are like, you know, very, very embedded into pop culture and, um, Asian representation. So I'm going to be very interested to see what they have to say about these things. Uh, this, this specific portrayal, I mean, even, I mean, because, because Mindy Kaling is, you know, um, India, uh, is of Indian descent. Um, she's a part of the, the Asian community. So I'm going to be very interested in what they have to say about her and the entire show for uh, point of fact, uh, because it is very weird, right? Like it is very, it, it's over Americanized, but not over Americanized. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, I mean, maybe they'll find their footing, um, you know, and it'll get better. It just, yeah, it's very troublesome. Um, I, I'm, I'm more or less with you on the, like, do we need a R-rated Scooby-Doo thing? Um, But, you know, I I can kind of roll with, I could roll with it if it's good. (laughs) But yeah, being bad, it kind of just highlights the, are not bad, just not being good. It kind of highlights the non-necessity of it all. Um, you know, I, I would have said the same thing about uh, Harley Quinn. Like, do we need a uh, straight-up R-rated Harley Quinn thing? And then by the end of season one, the answer is yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> we need this show. It's very, very good. Um, yeah, I, I, mean- I hope it gets better. I hope so too, but I mean, like, and let me just say this much, like for me, at least, um, within like the first three episodes, I was in the bag for Harley Quinn. Like, like I understood what they were doing. Like you could instantly see what their hypothesis was within the first three episodes. Yeah. It, it was, it was a, like, it's a very easy, like, I guess it's like, it's an easy in with Harley Quinn because you, you have Joker and you can just, you can make it about severing the ties of, of, uh, with the Joker and you make it about her finding her own agency. Right. And right there, you have a great concept and setup, which they do perfectly. Like, like this is where like the combination of, of Kaylee Kuko who understands, I feel like Harley Quinn in her soul in a weird way, and Chuck Lorre work worked together to make a good thing happen out of something that, like you said, like initially I was like, really, we're gonna do the Harley Quinn thing with Chuck Lorre? I mean, Chuck Lorre is a like a troubling figure, regardless. I mean, I know that he's not, but he is. Um, but it turns out to be like, like I said, like within the first sixty minutes of episode content, and like I mean, I guess that's also partially what my issue is: is that I don't feel like it's a good pilot. Like the first two episodes, the forty minutes we get, they're not good pilot. It's not a good pilot at all. Like in any way, shape, or form. Like I don't like the concept. I don't like their hypothesis. Like I don't know why somebody in the room didn't raise their hand and go, "What are we doing here?" Like, really, what are we doing here? Unless they're playing a super long game, right? Like, the whole season. Which, okay, but there's ways of doing that. I mean, like, again, I'll go back to Harley Quinn, because Harley Quinn had a whole arc for the whole season, right? Um, And it was set up very easily in the first couple of episodes. And you go, oh, okay, this is what I... Okay, I'm I'm in the board for this. I'm on the back for this. Again, 
Velma is very troubling. And I know that we're talking, we're overanalyzing something that's essentially like supposed to be entertainment, but it's not entertaining to me yeah. in any way, shape or form. Like it was homework to get through this. I was like, when's it going to get better? When's it going to get funny? And it doesn't like that stupid anime joke of Fred being baby, baby Fred. Yeah. Oh, I'm baby Fred. I'm like, and then okay. immediately he becomes Hitler. <laughs> like, yeah. So weird, man. Um, I'm like, okay. Like you guys thought that was funny. All right. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Like, Oh look, he's Hitler. And, and it is the, and then the joke is like, Oh, he looks like Hitler. Cause we can, they even say like, Oh, it's, it's cause we compare everybody to Hitler these days. Like, Okay, yeah, that that's such a like overused thing, you know, to point yep. to like a millennials think everything is worse than Hitler or like some dumb shit like that. Like, okay, man, that joke might have worked like six years ago, you know. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't really work now. Um, it really doesn't. Yeah, you know, um. it's um. So Marvel very briefly had. Uh, a uh, adult animated show that aired on Hulu that I actually also caught up with a little bit this week, and we've never talked about it. I'm curious if you watched it. Uh, Modok? No, I did. Oh, Modok's on my list. Uh, okay. Hit Monkey. Um, I I was like, I forgot this show existed, and I started watching it uh, earlier this week. And I'm really mostly enjoying it. <laughs> um, I have not seen Hit Monkey yet. Um, though I know the um, so the guys that that did it, the 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 guys that uh, produced it, um, they they did um, they did your the, the movie that you saw this year, Lyle Lyle Crocodile. They also yeah. did a, a very underrated. Have you seen Office Christmas Party? No, I I discovered that in doing my like uh, internet dive on like who made this Hit Monkey show, and now I want to see Office Christmas Party. Okay, so. Office Christmas Party is legit, like a secretively great, um, great movie. If you can get over the fact certain troubling people are in the movie, um, specifically. T.J. Miller. If you can get over T.J. Miller being in the movie, because I know that a lot of people hate T.J. Miller, um, but if you can get over it because he has a very big role, that movie um, is that movie's like legitimately like a hilarious piece of like Christmas comedy uh, R-ratedness. But um, so overall, like how many? So like how many episodes are you? I know it's like a ten I'm, or a twelve run. Yeah, I'm only like two episodes in. Um, okay. Okay. And I mean, it's it's such a silly premise. Uh, yes, Jason Sudeikis is in it, and he's great. Um, he play it's it starts off. He's a hitman, and mm-hmm. he he goes to um, I believe it's an Asian country, and his he's tasked with assassinating um, some people. Uh, he fulfills his contract, but then. Uh, he gets uh, kind of uh, uh, two-timed, and he has to go on the run, and he gets 
beaten up shot like all and winds up like somehow like on a mount a snowy mountain and gets discovered by this like clan of uh uh i don't know what kind of monkeys that they are but though if you okay. see them you know them um, yeah, the 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 ones from Kubo, like they're the same monkeys that are from Kubo. The ones that yeah, you see the meme of the monkey that has the cell phone in the in the snowy like spa. That's what the yep. monkey well, is. I can't think of what it, the kind of monkey it is though. So so yeah, he gets like dragged to their little uh, uh, home, and uh-huh. they like. Uh, help him uh recover and but unfortunately the people that are after him still wind up finding him and not only do they kill him they kill the entire clan of monkeys except for one (laughs) and so now this one monkey who somehow is also haunted by the ghost of jason sudeikis's hitman um (laughs) after he dies is on a mission to get revenge against the people that murdered his whole family. And oh, Jesus. it's a very weird premise, but it is a lot more fun than Velma. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, and then plus, it's pretty crass got, too, but it's just uh, fun. So. Uh, but I mean, you also have like, like all of the voice actors. I mean, it's from like George Takai, yeah. um, uh, Olivia Munn, um, Ali Mackey, like the, uh, there's a lot of like like really great um, Asian uh, Asian performers uh, that are casted in the voice uh, in the voice work. I mean, like just George Takai alone is one of those guys that when you like like Mako used to be like you know it's like as soon as you see his voice in a voice cast, you're like okay, I'm I'm on for this, I'm in for this. Um, so I'm actually uh, okay. Well, keep me informed. Like if it is something that's like truly great, which it sounds like it has the beginnings of, I will definitely, um, I will definitely check it out. Um, I'm actually very interested in what you think of Modoc when you get to it because yeah. I have seen that. And- it, it popped in in my recommendations with Hip Monkey. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. They did Modoc too, and I, I mean, they so quickly canceled all of those shows. That yes. I was, I just never got around to watching them because I you put them on the back burner, like there's not going to be more seasons. Um, yeah. I uh, this is one I can say I understand why when Kevin Feige took complete control over all of the Marvel properties, TV and film, that he was like, We can't have this, it's not because it's bad, <laughs> it's because yeah. like. Uh, we're not ready for this kind of like thing in the MCU. Um, maybe after Deadpool, they will be. Yeah. Um, it, I, that's uh, that's a good comparison. I will say, if you enjoy Deadpool, you probably like Hit Monkey. Um, uh, and yeah, it's like you, ten you, episodes, I think, on Hulu. Easily watchable. Wait, can we just take a side a side conversation because we've never talked about this? But like how much how sad I am that Donald Glover and his brothers um, Deadpool never happened, especially because when you watch Atlanta and how weirdly divergent and stylistically how how many deep dives into like 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 not like like, you know, 
it's all about the asides. Like for me, Atlanta, I finally like you know it clicked to me in the 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 first at the end of the first season. It's all about the asides. It's never about like the main story, right? And I feel like Deadpool is perfect for that, right? Like Deadpool is all about the asides, right? Yeah, uh, that's what makes Deadpool Deadpool. And I just think about it. And I'm like, man, what we lost in that. Like if we had gotten it. Like I don't even understand. I don't even know what it, how good it would have been. Um, it would have been completely different than Ryan Reynolds' version, of course. But I don't know. Like that's something that I, I like think about. And I honestly, I don't even know. Like we've never talked about that one. Um, were you on board for that? Oh, a hundred percent. Like okay. I, I, I was. I, I am so on board with an animated Deadpool, like wacky. Like I feel like you can do so much more with that character as an animated character than you probably ever could as a live action character. Um, oh, absolutely. We, we just had to watch, I mean, we watched that, like we talked about it a couple weeks ago, the ultimate Spider-Man and yeah. their interpretation of uh, uh, um of Deadpool. And it's kind of, it, it's it, it, like you said, it's like perfectly made for like, he's perfectly, he's, I mean, he's both Donald Duck and and Bugs Bunny. So, you know, that makes it perfect, right? Yeah. I, I, like mean, him, I, I think animation, yeah. animation, it would, you know, it, it could just be so great. But, you know, that was, that was exactly, it, it, Marvel said, it's, well, you know, he's so busy. We don't, you know, we don't want to wait on the show. Um, but really it was more the Kevin Feige was taking over and shutting. I mean, that's what happens. That's what James Gunn did. You know, anything that you weren't remotely, uh, they are directly involved with getting off the ground. Like you start shutting that shit down because like you want to go in the direction you want to go in. I, I mean, it sucks. It absolutely sucks. Cause I think it would have been brilliant, but you know, um, maybe one day, uh, you know, those ideas are still there. The scripts, which I think they said they had several scripts already out written. Um, uh, mm-hmm. those, those are still there, you know, it's not something that maybe can't ever happen. Um, I mean, hell we've got, uh, dozens and dozens of hours of a comedic star Wars show that that's just sitting on a shelf somewhere. It's just yep. robot robot chicken Star Wars, you know, that uh, Seth Green, Matt Sainrek, um, George Lucas, like all like produced like he wanted yeah. before they started. He wanted something like I think enough episodes that it would just it could just be in syndication, which is what like 50 yep. episodes or something like that for mm-hmm. an animated show. Um, yep. So. Yeah, there, there's probably 30 episodes of a, a Star Wars comedy <laughs> that that we'll just never get to see. I think you can see bits of the pilot, which got screened at Celebration. What was it called? Yes. Star Wars Detours? Yeah. Yeah, it um, was Detours. It, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the stuff that... And Disney just shut that shit down. down. The minute they yep. bought it, it was like, nope, that's not happening. <laughs> yep. And you almost you almost had wished that he had just sold it to Cartoon Network or somebody Comedy Central and had gotten it out there because then Disney would not have been able yeah. to 
had done anything just like Clone Wars. Like, you know, and then it became this whole thing of like, like Clone Wars, Wars. became undeniable for them. Though. Yes. Like Disney did not, they desperately did not want to bring that show back. Like nope. they shut it down so fast, but uh, like they wanted their people. They wanted their direction. Um, you know, it, 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 I, I'm not going to point a finger at Kathleen Kennedy, but like, even though she's handpicked by George Lucas, she's also approved by Disney. So yep. they desperately did not want that show, but uh, you cannot fucking deny that fan base, man. Like they are very, very vocal and like I, it, it's, it makes me so happy because for so long, just among the people that I knew, like this is before we were friends. Um, yes. But like, I, I couldn't get people to watch this show because either the prequels had left such a bad taste in their mouth or it's like animated star Wars. I'm not watching that shit. Now I'm like, I very specifically remember uh, in the early days of film dispenser being on a podcast with, this is when uh, uh, Raphael was still doing it with Spencer, like Mm -hmm. being on a podcast with him and, Spencer asking me, like, what is your favorite Star Wars? Like, and and me saying, does it have to be a movie? And both of them just being like, you're going to say the Clone Wars? Wars. And I'm like, yeah, man. (laughs) Like, this is more Star Wars to me now than anything else. Like, and you know what? While we're on the damn subject, the Bad Batch is back, buddy. And fuck, is it good? (laughs) Uh, I have not, I haven't dived into it yet. I wanted to get a set of episodes so that I could really kind of like, like I, it's only, it's three, right? Uh, it's the first two. And then this week, uh, I do episode yeah. four. Um, I like There's to get three out there. Okay. Yeah. I like to get about an hour, hour and a half of content so that I can, because they tell their, like the weird part about the bad batch is that they tell their, like, it's not weird because it's, it, they did the same thing in clone wars is that they tell them in little arcs. They tell them in yeah. like three episode, two episode arcs. And so it really frustrates me when I can't watch the whole, like the first, like an arc. So like, that's how I did it with the bad batch in the first season was watching, watching yeah. it in those chunks because it was so, it was so nice to be able to watch an entire arc. Um, I'm glad to hear that. It's good. The, like, the it, first, it looks, the first fun. two is a two episode arc. Oh, okay. the, the so third episode watch. starts a new arc. Okay. So, okay. um, the third episode, mm-hmm. Oh man, it, it like I can't talk about it because of what happens in it. But oh man, okay, it's okay, so now, good. <laughs> now, now like, we have to, we have to deep, watch it now. Deep Bradley Baker, like th- this is this is him, just shining, man. Like he is, like he was always killing it on the Clone Wars. But, like, the clones were so mostly background characters in that show. Like, you really got to know, like, Cody and Rex pretty well. But, like, you know, you got bits and pieces of the clones here and there. And different versions of those clones. But this show is all fucking him. And he is just killing it, man. Um, And, and I I don't know, the, the kind of sort of brilliance of... Like, so Wanda Sykes is a voice in the first arc. 
She's not in it much, but it is kind of okay. cool to hear Wanda Sykes in Star Wars. But um, what's her name? Uh, from Cheers, Rhea Perlman is back. Oh, as that character oh. she voiced in the first season, and it's so yes. weird to and wonderful to have Rhea Perlman as a voice of a character in Star Wars. You know, but uh, also like let's note her character very much so is is kind of a weird homage in a very small way to cheers and yeah. her work in cheers like let, let, like i like if people haven't seen the first season of the bad batch like her like when she shows up you don't like you don't expect it but then you totally like when you see it you get the joke if you're a little bit older and you watch cheers um but yeah no she's great in that like i love her character um uh from uh, season 1 that's great like that's good to hear Okay. Yeah, I I really I'm we're only three episodes in, but I am like this season builds so much on what they established before, but also okay. like it's them hitting the ground running. I feel like like nice. all those nice. characters are established. You know who they are. Like you know who this this little girl is. There's mm-hmm. no like build up to like why is she so special or anything like that. Um so yeah, it's gonna be. I think this is gonna be a really, really great season. And you know, Thelonian could have easily just held his head up high and been like, "Okay, you guys, good luck with Star Wars," like and yeah. fulfilled whatever he had to fulfill of his contract. But this man very clearly loves this like i don't know that anybody loves star wars more than dave filoni i don't think i well i know george lucas doesn't love star wars more than dave filoni loves star wars no i'm pretty sure by the end george lucas hated star wars (laughs) yeah he just wanted to get it done like i feel like there were moments that he loved it but for the most part he was just annoyed um by by the fandom you know and right rightfully so um, but Dave Filoni it, to be a creator and a fan and to be able to not just hold the torch, but carry the torch and then create new torches. Like, you know, I, I'm, it makes me really excited for Ahsoka, even though I'm not fully on board with Rosario's version of Ahsoka yet. So I'm hoping I get there. Um, absolutely. No, um, I, I feel like, like, let me ask you something, because that's actually a very interesting thing. Is it because contextually she is so out of sorts with the Ahsoka that we know from Rebels and and Clone Wars? Like, there's this huge gap of time that we don't have, um, and she's a very different, like, she's a very different character, for me at least, uh, and I'd like to know what, like a little bit more about this for you, but she's a very different character when we meet her in season two of the Mandalorian. Um, is it because of that, or is it because of just the actual interpretation of her? I, I her think character? it's just the actual interpretation. I mean, if this were animated and this mm-hmm. were, um, I just drew a blank on her name. Um, Ashley Eckstein. Yeah. Ashley Eckstein doing the mm-hmm. the voice. I, I don't think I'd have a problem. Like if she showed it with a, okay. if it was animated Ashley Eckstein voicing and she showed it with a, in a dark robe with a red lightsaber, I'd be mm-hmm. like, Oh fuck. Like I wouldn't be like, Oh, this is not Ahsoka. I'd be like, Oh shit. They made Ahsoka a Sith. Like <laughs> it wouldn't, 
it would phase me, but only in a like, oh, that's a twist, but not in a like, oh, this is not my Ahsoka. It's, okay. it's like it sounds shitty, but it's complete aesthetic. But like, this is a character I've lived with. I mean, for, for as long yeah, for as long as she's existed. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, this is a character who, when I first saw her on screen, I went, "Fuck this!" <laughs> like I hate her. Yeah. <laughs> and well, now it's and like, also- if you kill Ahsoka, like I will burn some shit down. Yeah, they're not. We both know they're not gonna like, like they're not going to um, kill her off. Like, um, I'm very, I'm very um, interested. Like, of the 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 new Star Wars stuff that's coming out, like Ahsoka is definitely the the highest on my list because as we've as we've talked before, Rebels is like for me, Rebels is what like I love Clone Wars. Don't get me wrong. I love Clone Wars. I mean, that's what kept like we've had that conversation before of what's kept our fandom alive with Star Wars. And it was Clone Wars and Clone Wars is a lot of for me is a lot of what ele- elementary like at a time where fandom rejected Star Wars, it was the thing that helped yeah. me stay with Star Wars like and it was good. Like, that's the thing that I could never get people get through to fucking people was how fucking good Clone Wars was. And nobody wanted to watch it. Like, I yep. I, I, still distinctly remember giving a friend season one and two on DVD. Back when DVDs, like those TV DVD sets cost you 40 bucks a piece. And was just like, watch it, dude. I'm like, like, here, like, you know, it was like a Christmas present and he gave it to him. And was like, and he was just like, the look on his face said everything. And I'm like, can I just ask for that Christmas present back? Because fuck you, seriously, fuck you. Like, if you can't, like, you don't want to, like, that's where I'm like, how are you so devoted to, to fandom? Because like, I know people that are devoted to fandom, right? They're star, like, they, they're hardcore Star Wars fans. They got tattoos. Yeah. But your ass ain't watching everything. You're not watching everything. You only watch the live action stuff. Does that really make you a fan? I don't think so. I mean, Not it makes fan. you a type of fan. <laughs> Hang on. You know? Yeah, no, Not, absolutely. You know, I, I'm, yeah, not not to, like, uh, guard fandom, but, like, yeah, I, like, yeah. I don't read the books. So, like, yeah. I, Jake, my cousin Jacob and I just talked oh. about this. We recorded, uh, we finally recorded on the Andor finale. Andor, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. I, I want to I I hear your guys' thoughts. I, I'm fairly certain it's going to be not as nice as, as we were when we first yeah. talked about it. Um, um, but yeah, he, we talked he, about he, like, the he he does not like Andor. Um, but we talked about like, do we consider ourselves hardcore fans? Because uh-huh. like, he doesn't read the comics or the books. He'll watch the shows. And he'll oh. watch the movies, like animated, or, like he's on, he's a visual, like just, you know, whatever, uh, like action wise, he yeah. can see, you know, he's not, he's not a Star Wars reader. Um, whereas I read the comics, I watch all the stuff, but I don't read the books. So like, I don't know if I consider myself a hardcore fan. Um, I try to keep up with like what's going on, but like. Uh, there's a lot of novels, man. <laughs> like I don't have time to read all that. Seriously, so dude. Like, just, there are a lot Spencer, of Spencer tells me what's going on because he reads them all. So, mm-hmm. um, and and the I mean the flip side of that is 
I'm also not in on the High Republic era. Like, I've tried. No. And I just cannot get into it. Uh, I hear the books are great, and that's fine. Um, so everybody can have the Star Wars that they want. But, like, if you're going to continue... I don't under what you're saying. I don't understand denying it. Like if somebody handed me, uh, like if, if Spencer gifted me like the Ahsoka book and was like, yeah, you love Ahsoka. You should read this book. I would read the damn book. I wouldn't look at him and be like, I don't read Star Wars books. Like, but you call yourself a Star Wars fan. Like what's with the attitude? It was that specific attitude about the Clone Wars that yes. like you bugged the shit out of me. I was like, why like just watch it i'm not telling you to devote your life to it i'm telling you to watch it watch the yoda opening arc of the clone yes like just watch it man like this is a character that everybody loves <laughs> you know you're exactly to enjoy this arc you know, like, I'm not going to hand you the Mieber Gascon episodes and be like, here, you're going to love this, <laughs> you know, like, yes. no, because even fans but, of the show didn't fucking like that. <laughs> no, but I mean, but also like, like, here's the thing is it like, I feel like people, people don't want to heal. Like, I feel like, like, this is what I've learned since the pandemic. People do not. They want to carry their anger. Like, did you yes. not learn anything from Yoda? <laughs> <laughs> because if you had just watched Clone Wars, the prequels make, they make the prequels better. And you know what? Like, I'm all for the redemption of Jar Jar Binks because it happens in the show. And that's when I knew I was like, fuck, they got me. They got me. Yeah. Like, watching Watching the first Jar Jar arc with Mace was heartbreaking, and I didn't realize why it was heartbreaking until, like, I came to terms with the fact that I was like, fuck, Jar Jar, like, I started to think about, like, we, like, nobody thinks about, like, Jar Jar's fate and what happened to him and how he was manipulated. They just kind of go, fuck Jar Jar, because he was the one that ruined yeah. everything, and it's like. But dude, like that's a tragedy right there. And if you watch his his arcs through the Clone Wars, there's a bit of redemption for the character. And ultimately, like it's so sad when you realize like this dude really real like wanted to do good. I mean, it's just it's it's like one of those great things. It's like it's like I don't know. Like Clone Wars can help heal your issues with the with the uh, with the prequels but obviously like i said like what i've learned in the last in the last like four years or three years of the pandemic is that nobody wants that <laughs> like like kirk says in star trek 5 i need my anger i need my pain yeah of course sure kirk yeah you i know you did bro it's okay keep on hating because you know that's what's gonna happen um but but yeah like it all goes back to like the fact that if you're if you're listening to us and you haven't watched Clone Wars, I don't know why you're listening to us because I mean, like that's a daily, like that's a like a that's like a weekly through line. Even if we're not even like mentioning it, we still kind of mention Clone Wars and Filoni's work. I mean, he other than the creator, he is like he is the creator. Like he's I mean, creator at this point, he's, yeah. At this point, he's responsible for more Star Wars than George Lucas is. Yeah, like, like you know, seriously. Yeah, it, it is. It is the 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 uh, the learner has become the master. Like, yes. and, and Disney has slowly realized, like, oh shit, 
hey, y'all know this Dave Filoni guy, like, really kind of knows what he's doing, right? You know? Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, and like <laughs> I said, it would have been real fucking easy for him to walk away from all this. Like, the, the, I, I mean, I'm sure he was all in, like, he's George's number one fan, and he loves the dude personally. So I'm sure he was fully on board with, like, yeah, man, I get it. Like, you're, you're getting up there. It's annoying dealing with these asshole fans. Um, and, like, I support, like, this is your baby. If, if you want to let it go, let it go. Um, you know, and he could have easily just, like I said, fulfilled his whatever contract he had left and walked away from all of it and just been like, if George isn't here, I'm not here. You know, because I don't know if I'm on board with what you guys are doing. Instead, he held the damn line. And was like, well, they're going to make their Star Wars, but I'm over here and I'm working. And, you know, it, it helps when you have John Favreau in your corner. Um, yes. Because Favs was in Clone Wars. Like, Clone uh, Wars, yeah. In, in the first uh, four seasons or so, he shows up, I think. Um, and so so that there was a relationship there. So, you know, them kind of just hanging out and bullshitting and developing the Mandalorian. And it, it, it's just it's a whole uh, kind of just interesting thing. Um, but uh, pivoting to other shows on the Disney Plus platform, you ask me like every week. So I'm going to ask you. Are are you watching Willow? <laughs> did you watch Willow? <laughs> no, I did not. Did you watch I, the finale? Oh no, I have God. not. Okay, so <laughs> I have questions for you before I I waste like because I'm on four, so I'm like halfway through. Before I waste my time, um, I need to know when the fuck does Christian Christian Slater show up? Does he show up at the last episode? He's about to, he's about to show up. He's only in it for like two episodes. Um, oh, Jesus. He's a oh. very much a Mad Martigan stand-in. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's okay what he's in, but it's not as great as, it's not going to be as great as you want it to be. Okay. Ah, oh, man. Okay, okay. Okay. Well, like, how do you like? I know that you've we've talked about this. And, if this were like, called anything but Willow, yeah, I would have yeah. enjoyed it. <laughs> like, I hate to keep beating that drum, but like, it's it's fun and it's funny and it looks great and most of the acting is really good. Um, I just like it's not Willow, man. Like, it's just not Willow. Um, it, yeah, uh, it's it's got a conclusion, but it's also <laughs> it's also got an open door. Um, apparently, uh, uh, Kasdan has ideas for three seasons. If it gets more, I'll be I'll be surprised uh, because it, it did not <laughs> it didn't even create really a spark of like that fandom. So no, um, oh, I mean it literally. It literally, like, it, it literally mimicked Willow's, like, box office trajectory when it was initially released. Yeah. It's like, Super oh, there's this new movie. And then, oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but, like, where's Willow? I, I don't know. I can't I can't say this won't age better with time. Willow yeah. has gotten better with time. Um, yes, it really has. Um, this might I, age I'm, better, but, like, 
the dialogue is just so cringy. Like it, it really is. It's like Dawson's Creek theater, yeah. summer theater production bullshit that I'm just like, oh, come on. Especially when you consider that. Okay, so like Kasdan comes from a screenwriting. I mean, even he himself has written some very punchy, witty movies. And just to watch this, like, just be dull, like just dull, not even like. And here's the problem is that they're not writing in that English affectation that you expect them to. Yep. And it just doesn't. It's just like all these guys, like I expect like the brothers and sisters, like the two brother, like the brother and the sister in the movie. I just go, hey, bro, how's it going? Hey, sis, how's it going? Like it's literally the worst, like, so I understand like the whole concept of high, high, high fantasy and low fantasy is something that people are like, okay, boomer, whatever. Like that's just your version of it. But at the same time, it's like there's nothing that's there's nothing that that I feel like in the like when you have when you have like like Joanne Wally Kilmer actually performing and being the character that she was twenty uh, like thirty years ago or thirty five years ago. No, it's almost like thirty five <laughs> years ago. I'm trying to think about it. Eighty eight. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, twenty three. Yeah, it's thirty five. Thirty five years ago, she slips into it like a glove. But you're not following her lead tonally. Yeah, there's a problem. With the exception of the big broody guy, I can't think of his name. But um, with the exception of him, and even him, his dialogue is all wonky as shit. Yeah, but like he's so fun that he is. Like if if you gave him more of the the Mad Mardigan persona and less Mm -hmm. of the like, uh, I don't. It it's so funny you said Dawson's Creek because. like I pulled, I pulled. I knew he wrote. He co-wrote solo, um, mm-hmm. Jonathan Caston, but I did yeah. not know that he was a fucking writer on Dawson's Creek. Um, yes, he was. <laughs> that was the that was the the fucking the jab at him because yeah. it's like, come on, dude. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. It's the character. It's like the characters are fine. It's just. That, that dialogue is just too yes. too modern, too... You know, it just doesn't work that Amazing. well with the story. Yeah. It doesn't. It, it's uh, too... Like, literally, I hear the Paula Cole song every time I hear any of them talk, especially when they're talking in that, like, oh, I'm going to give you googly eyes because I think I have a thing for you. Yeah. Like, oh, come on. This is not fucking high school. Like, you're literally trying to save the world, and you guys are having these stupid conversations. I don't get yes. it. Um, yeah, like, like I honestly, like I tuned out, like at, like I told you, like the, it was the, it was the possession episode. Like I'm just like, what? Yeah, I, like I don't, I like part of me, like, did his dad, like I don't know, man, like your dad is Lawrence fucking Kasdan. Could you yeah. hand him the script and be like, hey, dad, can you read this and tell me what you think? Like, just. Yeah. Like he's gotta be right there. <laughs> like you co-wrote solo with him. Like, and it does. I know I've said this before, but like, it does make me look at Solo and go, "Oh, now I know where all the parts of Solo that I was like, what? <laughs> like now I know exactly. where that came from." <laughs> no, you do absolutely, absolutely. The stuff that that 
felt like script notes. They were just John Kasdan. I mean, yeah. like they were like. Dad, like, dad, oh, dad, God. dad. Wouldn't it be cool if like he showed up and he's like, I don't have the last name, and the guy goes Han, Han Solo. Wouldn't that be awesome, Dad? <laughs> like, sure, son. Whatever. Sure. And then like, yeah, you, you see the movie and you're like, wait, y'all left that in? <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> that was like the one thing I was just like, sure, sure, we're gonna put that in the script. <laughs> Uh-huh. I just like, oh, good lord! Like, um, yeah, that was one of those. Oh, good, good grief! Like that, that is like, oh, like so, like, I just like, okay, so like, it also goes to the casting. Like, I'm sorry, but you know, you have to steal. Like, if you're gonna do Willow, you absolutely 150 percent need to find it. Like, you you need to go to the people that are casting game of thrones and offer them double or triple of the the salaries that they're uh, they're being offered yeah. uh by game of thrones to or just steal look the at the people look at the people that didn't quite make the cut right yeah. like exactly who was your second choice for this role okay we'll take them <laughs> you know exactly exactly it's like uh, it's like, i just don't get it it's like okay so how can we have like so, like I don't know like like I just kind of look at it and I go like everything is just kind of three percent off. But when you have everything from from the top to the very bottom three percent off, it, it affects it in in a, in a way that I can't ignore. Like 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 let's go back to Solo, right? So like a movie like we we both have said we really like. I can forgive certain things because. 95% of this movie is there, yeah. including the casting of Alden Ehrenreich, who I swear to God, if they do not put him in another star, in another, I know that they're not. I know that they're going to actually probably CGD age Harrison Ford or mm-hmm. create a Harrison Ford CGI model before they give Alden Ehrenreich another shot at Solo. I hope, I, I hope that that's a stipulation of Donald Glover returning as Lando for this possible series oh, that may happen. Wouldn't that be Is great? It, they're like, no, this guy's coming with me. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like he just him. carries him. Yeah, yeah. He just carries him. And then they get like Donald. Cause I know that. Okay. So like, like you've heard the rumor that Donald Glover to come back to Lando wants complete and utter control. Yeah. If they give him complete and utter control, like if if they can, if he's writing Han Solo and he's like he's like him and his creatives from Atlanta come in and do whatever they want to do in Lando, like I feel like that's going to be a bit that is only going to benefit Star Wars, right? I, because yeah, I, agree. I, I like even if it's just. Lando discovering um land uh what is his name La- uh landbot or who uh, lobot. his right hand lobot yeah. there we go because i mean like the comic books are great with lobot like like um but if you give me something like that that's fine like you can do that or you can like you know donald glover being lando getting uh, like whatever you want but as long as you include han solo in it and you write him accurately which i feel like glover would do like I feel like you you're gonna set the stage for a resurgence of like Alden Ehrenreich. Like everybody's gonna say like not just us. Oh yeah, we watch Solo all the time. Fuck you, you didn't. I know you didn't. You didn't like Alden Ehrenreich. Um, 
but yeah, I really that's my hope is that you you get a Lando series that's controlled by Donald Glover, um, which is the rumors are that's what he wants when he comes back. Uh, because that's what he's getting. Like, you know, he's doing the Mr. and Mrs. Smith reboot as a yeah. TV series. Um, and he's actually doing it like like he has complete control. Um, I've heard that um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is also involved in it, like he, like at his insistence. So it's like it's like these right decisions that I see people doing for things. And it's like, let's have that with Star Wars. Let's have that with Lucasfilm stuff, because I'm. Other than the Filoni stuff, I mean, we could talk about a bigger picture of Lucasfilm as a Disney entity. I've not been impressed. Like, I'm no. not impressed with the the star. The, the Indiana Jones looks like a CGI mess that I don't want to be a part of. Like, it yeah. literally. I, I'm not hopeful. Like, I, I I'm keeping my like I'm not going to get my hopes up because. I don't want to, like, I don't know. I don't want, uh, it will be two of the five Indiana Jones movies to not be worth a shit. <laughs> like, yeah. we're sitting at almost 50% suck, you know, which I know a lot of people say the same thing of Star Wars, but, like, uh, <laughs> you know, that's not that true. Like, it, no. there's really only one Star Wars movie that I have a hard time finishing and that's the last one like the and that's yeah. it like the rest of them i can watch just fine um but what's your name yeah hey, oh my god hey skywalker <laughs> shut the fuck <laughs> up oh my uh, god <laughs> but yeah it, it's yeah. like sitting at like 40 percent or whatever of indiana jones movies being bad like i don't know if i can handle that man so i'm keeping my it is james mangold he does yeah. do great work. Like, so, like, I'm, I'm but, hoping. But, yeah, Lucasfilm output with Disney has not, has not been great. Like, it's when it's heavy, heavy Disney involvement, you know? Or yeah. is it heavy, heavy Kathleen Kennedy involvement? Like, I was never one that was just like, like, I know a lot of people wanted to throw her under the bus really early on, fandom-wise. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, it's Kathleen Kennedy, man. Like, no. Like, she's yeah. she's done a lot of fantastic things. But then, as everything's gone on, it's been like, wait, is she the problem? <laughs> like, what is going on here? Um, even though we all we all agreed from day one, it should be Dave Filoni. Um, yeah, it really should have been. Um, in all, like, I'm fairly certain in all aspects. Okay, so like, here's my theory about why James Mangold was good for Logan, like why Logan was legendary was because they gave him a smaller budget and it forced him to do everything in real life. Like everything in Logan is so grounded, so in the earth and mud. And it's like, that's Indiana Jones though. Like the first three, what I love about it is how tactile it is. Like it's Jones in the dust and the mud and the fucking mire of things, right? And this, the, the Crystal Skull, it feels nothing like that because it's all yeah. CGI nonsense. And I feel like they gave him too much money. They really should have cut the budget in half and said, figure it out. Like, that's, I mean, that's what Indiana Jones as a production was. Like, the first one, Raiders. I refuse to call it Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark because fuck that. It's called Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? 
Yep. Raiders, he, like, Lucas challenged Spielberg to say, I'm going to give you 20 when you're used to getting 40 to 50 in, back in the 80s, and I'm going to give you only 50 days or 40 days to finish this production when you usually have double or triple of that. I want you to do it under budget and under time. And he was so challenged by it and so inspired by Road Warrior that he got it under budget and two days early, which something that was like something that Spielberg was never known to do. Yeah. Like you can't like, 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 you know, lacking of lacking of things are the mother of invention. And if you take that away from that production and that's the way they did all three of them, he always like, he got, he got a smaller, he got a, he got a less than usual budget and a less than usual, like, you know, filming schedule um, for each one of them. And he produced like greatness out of that. Like if you can, like, I don't know. It's just, it's like, I look at it and I just go, that looks like a CGI mess. There's nothing in there that looks real. Like nothing is real. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like it, it just, it's troubling to me because it's not, it doesn't look like what Indiana Jones should look like. Um, I mean, and plus, like, I'm of the theory that you guys should, they should have got it, given it to the, the John Wick guys and not, and like, I feel like Mangold would have been better for a Star Wars movie than Indiana Jones. Yeah. I don't know why. I just feel that way. Or hey, just let him continue on in the Marvel universe, pay him all the money to give him, like, he's got a great sense of direction and I love his style. Um, and it would, it would always, he would always be around to like, tempt Hugh Jackman back um which is it that's what everybody want like that's what everybody is waiting for right like you know I mean we know that he's coming back for for Deadpool 3 but I don't know it's just it's weird like I just like people are super excited about that movie and I could care less right now and I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan yeah yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you Like I I have almost zero excitement Like I know I'll be there My butt will be in the mm -hmm. seat I'm sure my dad will be with me But like I'm just not Not even remotely excited for it So um, Yeah I want to ask you about another show I started this week Because I'm curious okay. If A you've ever heard of it And B you watched it It ended uh, a couple of years ago Um it's called Louder Milk. I have no idea. Louder Milk. Hmm. It started in 2017, uh, created, written, and mostly directed by this dude named Peter Farrelly. <laughs> who oh, I know, Lord! <laughs> yes. Who I know that you're, you know of. Um, <laughs> it stars Ron Livingston and Will Sasso, mostly, along with oh. a bunch of other people. It's about this. Ron Livingston plays this dude, Sam Loudermilk, who is a former rock uh, or former music critic who, like, used to follow bands. He, he was the kid from Almost Famous, only okay. he kept following the bands around and just partying with them and became an alcoholic, drug addict piece of shit and then had to go into recovery. So. He's now like four years sober running this recovery group, but he's still an asshole. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Like that sounds, okay. I, that sounds like, so how great is it? 
on a scale of one to ten? It's pretty, pretty good. Okay. Um, there were three seasons, thirty episodes total. Um, he, Ron Livingston's great. Like, yes. you want to talk about actors that do not get their fucking due? Ron Livingston is up there in that list, man. Like, this guy has like everybody knows him as the dude from Office Space, but yes. he's just never really gotten his. Like giant breakout I, I mean he's been in tons of shit Band of Brothers was huge you know Um mm-hmm. And uh he was in something else That was uh recently Oh Search Party Search Party He showed up in yes. recently Um but uh, uh Spoilers for that <laughs> for spoilers for that show Well <laughs> actually no I'm not gonna say anymore I shouldn't really say anything more I, I'm, I'm, really I'm, that show. I'm not that far Into Search Party I've watched oh, Okay it. okay but um, I, it's I, like I watch a little bit of it and then I go away for a while and then, like I, for so, it's not bingeable for me. For it's not it, you, well because you have to take it in and kind of because of there's so much to pro like it, it's a very processy show where you have you take it and I understand why I I I, I truly uh, he was in the Conjuring the Conjuring is oh is yeah that's one right of the, the Conjuring yeah yeah that, that was huge but like he's not the huge like people didn't walk out like. It, it's all about everybody else in the country. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like he just doesn't get his due, and like he really, really shines here. Um, he's such a good, like, smarmy asshole. Um, Can I ask a question? Yeah. Uh, okay, so have you seen Brockmire? Yes. Okay, is he? Is it kind of similar yeah. to? To the early Brockmire, yes. Yes, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> the fucking last season of Brockmire, I was like, what? What happened? Yeah, I know, right? Like, you're like, what? Wait, wait, wait what's going on here? Like, that's something we should actually talk about at a certain point. Because Brockmire is a great fucking show. Um, it's uh, not quite it's, as filthy as Brockmire. Okay. So. That makes sense because it isn't, oh, like, it, it looked like whatchamacallit was on a network. Louder Milk was on a network. So it wasn't, it was like towing the line. Um, so, but, um, okay. So, but he kind of like, is it, does he stay an asshole? Like, well, I'm through the first season. Okay. And okay. he's still an asshole. Like, th- okay. there is, there is a twist in the first season that I, I like, I can't even begin to get into. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, Will Sasso is great. Like, I've well, always, Will Sasso is always great. Yeah. Yeah. I've always <laughs> loved that it, dude. My wife actually turned me on to Will Sasso because she loves Will Sasso. Like, she, yeah. she follows him. Like, she watches all of his comedy bits and stuff. So, um, that makes me feel good that, that he, like, he's great and he has, like, I take it he has a big part, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or a bigger part, I should say. Um, she loves him. Hashtag drop dead gorgeous in a very um, inappropriate role, but she just fucking loves him in that movie. Um, well, good. This is a show y'all can watch together because it's, okay. it's Will Sasso. It, I mean, it's Ron Livingston's show, but it's very yeah. Will Sasso heavy. So she will okay. appreciate it. Um, I, I, I've kind of fallen in love with it. Like, I'm not the okay. biggest fan of the Fairleys. Like, they're very yeah. hit or miss for me. Like when they're good, I think they're really, really good. And then sometimes they just go too damn far. Um, this Very much so. Doesn't really allow for them. Well, it's just Peter fairly, but um, 
it doesn't really allow for him to go too far. Like it, it pushes just a little bit like, but it doesn't ever go past totally ridiculous. Like it just barely gets to that line. And then by then that's the end of the episode. You're, you know, on to the next episode. So like there's an episode with it in it's like the fourth or fifth episode, like uh, his dad comes into town to visit. And like it's like, oh, this is a Farrelly Brothers movie. Like it just <laughs> keeps walking up to the line of like, holy shit, that's ridiculous. That episode actually does reach filthy levels of <laughs> of like, holy shit. Um, but, uh, you know, you'll you'll just have to watch it. I, I think it's a show it. you'd really, really love. It's on Amazon Prime. So I did see that. I've already added it. I'm going to. Um like this is actually perfect. Like we we talked about um um the Farley's newer movie coming out fairly soon with Woody Harrelson called Champions. Yes. Which like like I love the the Farley's toe this line of inappropriateness, but it's not inappropriate because like literally they they're I don't know, it's just it's it's fucking wild that like that when they're inappropriate works, it flies and soars and it looks like Champions is gonna be one of those movies. Whereas like when they're inappropriate doesn't work, it's Green Book, and you're like, Oh man, oh man, come on, guys, do better. But um I'm glad to hear that Loudermilk, like as soon as I saw the creatives involved in it, I'm like, okay, you know what? I understand. I think you and I have like a very similar thing with comedy. Um, well, I think it's the fact that Rock they're Rock. not working together. That yes, keeps them, they do seem to like, like it, it. It's like watching not bad improv, but just improv that goes <laughs> to places goes, because they seem to just be the two people that go. Yeah, and then what if this happens? And then what if yep. this happens? And then what if this happens? And you're like, holy shit! How did we get to where we're at? Um, where, uh, like they're both involved with the show, like they're both directors on the show. Uh-huh. Uh, Peter and Bobby have yeah. both directed episodes, but Bobby is only involved as a director, not as a like a uh, writer's room creative kind of thing. It's mostly Peter Fairley and this dude, Bobby, not Bobby, is it? Uh, yeah, Bobby Mort, uh, who was a longtime writer for Stephen Colbert. Um, He's done a few other things, but nothing like truly, truly notable. Um, mostly like B movie stuff, like uh, Scorched Earth and this movie called Circle of Pain. Um, but uh, it, it so it's a little bit more grounded than most of the things that you see from the Farrelly Brothers. Um, like stays grounded. Like all their stuff has a lot of heart in it. It just like goes so fucking far off the rails <laughs> it really does it really does um but like i'm still a fan like i'm gonna yeah. still like like i give them a chance because of some of the greatness like uh, the ringer to me is one of the undersung it, comedies of, of the last 20 years completely um, agree. because it doesn't make fun of the people that it's about it makes fun of Johnny Knoxville. Like, and there's a big distinction between that. And like, I don't know, like there's some, there's some things that they do that are like magic tricks, like truly magic tricks. And I, I, 
like you know and then plus dumb and dumber is like literally a work of genius like i i don't care what anybody said like the original dumb and dumber is like you have to like we've talked about before like the coens make stupidity an art form like the fairlies with like dumb and dumber and kingpin those one two punches make stupidity and gross out humor art like in a way that i don't think anybody will like has ever approached um so i'm definitely this is on my list i gotta i gotta watch this um um and i'm also really glad to hear that you're a brockmeyer fan dude like i, I don't know why there's so few of us out there because it's such a small it's such a small lane, right? Yeah. Like it's a it's such a small fucking lane of this show. Like it's so specific. If you tell people what it's about, they're like, a baseball announcer? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, I, but pe- the people that like specifically watch Major League to hear uh, Bob Uecker. Uecker? Uh, yeah. Jimmy those Doyle. are the people that will like Brock Meyer. <laughs> yes. Yes, and how he says a bit outside. Outside, <laughs> uh, they're just in like oh god, that fucking oh man, I can't Brian, wait to watch. Like it's Brian adores Brock Meyer. Like he, oh man, that show. So. That makes that makes sense. That like with his love of major league and baseball, that completely makes sense. You know who actually turned like friend of the show scott scott phillips actually turned me on to brock meyer and it took me forever to watch it because i was like man it's a baseball thing but it feels like it's dry and then by the second episode i was in the back like, oh my god <laughs> oh, insane the... yeah i was like fucking jim brock meyer man <laughs> <laughs> a baseball announcer that pulls tail like he's fucking matthew mcconaughey man <laughs> like exactly just... uh, but also but also like okay so like jk simmons showing up yeah and as a fucking like the mvp of that of that season i was like holy shit um yeah it's definitely something well and and, like did you like you know that it came out of sketches kind of like the way that ted lasso came out of sketches which i always find hilarious that it was a it was very much like just like like you watch those online sketches and they're just it's very one note the same way that Ted Lasso was very one note with his sketches, right? But then you you get these shows and they're a wealth of just character, emotion, pathos, and life in general. Like um, like Ted Lasso or like Brockmeyer, the short pitch for everybody, it's the anti-Ted Lasso. Like that's literally yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good it's a good comparison. So like and Bull Durham. Like it's very much like it feels like very kind of rowdy body bull Durham bull Durhamness. Uh so but yeah. Uh fuck fucking Brogmire. But now I'm like I said, like I'm definitely gonna I'll check back with you because something that we haven't talked about um is that I finally finished a show uh that you had talked about on um on uh, on here, uh Sprung, which Oh yeah, I have to thank you as a Garrett Delahunt fanboy. Oh my goodness! Like, okay, so Greg Garcia is blowing up right now. I think it's him. He actually wrote Kaleidoscope. Like he wrote, like he wrote and ran Kaleidoscope, and which is blowing up right now. Everybody, yes, Um, the color show. Like, and I don't mean that in any way, but like, if you guys don't know about Kaleidoscope, actually check it out. I'm actually in the middle of Kaleidoscope right now. 
now. Um, just doing a random, like chaotic version of it because I know that there's a lot of people that like colors and stuff. But good to go back to Sprung. Just thank you for actually. It's the kind of crime comedy stupidity about pe- certain people that I'm just like, holy shit, this is great. This is like super great, and I hope they get another season of it. Um, but yeah, like it was great, and thank you for that. Thank you for for um, giving me this like nine episodes of awesome sauce. <laughs> it's so it, funny. It's so funny and just like perfectly, like perfectly timed. Um, you know, it, it, it's just, yeah. And uh, like that, the, the cast, which he, he mostly works with the same people over and over. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's on, uh, freebie, which is such a stupid yes. name, but, uh, it's, you know, if you got any device, it's free. So just download it, watch it. Uh, they have a few good things. I'm, I'm still watching Night Court on there, like still making my way through that show. Um, yeah, which it, I'm super excited for the. For yeah, the re- that's uh, this week, right? Yep, it's this week. So, it yeah. looks it looks actually really good. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, uh, I'm super stoked for this. Like, I'm just like, okay, so when are you gonna give me a Cheers reboot? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we already got the fucking Fraser one. In, 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 yeah, in Fraser's coming, man. Yeah, yeah, like they're they're uh, they're ramping up so. Um. Yeah. Everything old is new again. Um, yep. Yeah. Not, um, nothing dies forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I will. Okay. So, and special shout out to Martha Plimpton in this fucking show, who, like, you know, she's always she's always in Greg Garcia's stuff, but like, it's just great to see her. I mean, she, it goes back to what we were talking about with uh, uh, Jason Alexander, man, and people yep. willing to. Like and it's so funny because like when when Raising Hope was on the air, I remember like seeing an interview with her and being like her talking about not wanting to do the show because she didn't want to. She's like, I'm I'm not old enough to be a grandmother, and I Grandma. don't want to be on yep. a show where I'm a grandmother. But like, I love Greg. I, the writing's so great, and like once you just give into it, and once she came on board with him. Like, she seemed really game to just do whatever, like, to just trusting, you know. And she plays such a, like, just <laughs> louse of a character most of the she time. She really does. Like, she it, really and does. she just leans into it. Like, ever, like just the, the, the costuming, the, like, just being not perfect, you know, not yep. beautiful, not, like, she, and she just leans into it, man. Um, she's, yeah, she's so, so funny on that show. Um, it's funny cause I, like, I don't know if you got a chance, but like Spencer tweeted us a couple of weeks ago about yes. a movie that, uh, uh, some friends of ours made, um, that, uh, was on, uh, YouTube for free. Yes, and I actually did free. get a chance to, to watch it. Uh, and I, I mean, I won't really get it. It's called edge of town. I don't know if you can see it. I know it's not, they don't have it available on Blu-ray. I don't think they have it available digital to buy. They might through their YouTube page. Uh, you could YouTube it edge of town and see if you can find it. It's, it's pretty good, but like they, they understand the South kind of the way Greg Garcia understands people that live 
below the poverty line. Poverty line, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, there's a there's in a, a non-condescending <laughs> way. <laughs> yes, there's a joke in. Uh, it's not really a joke, but there's a scene in Edge of Town where one of the character main characters is scratching off a lottery ticket. Okay. And it's and they're they're like it's a bingo lottery scratch off, and they're arguing about how to play, like how to scratch off the things. Shots. <laughs> like oh he's God. like, I know how to play bingo, but then they scratch everything off, and it's a winner, and it's ten thousand dollars. And oh. the dude stands up and he goes, "I just won ten thousand dollars! Holy shit, I'm rich!" And then they spend like the next twenty—not twenty minutes, but ten minutes or so of the movie. Like uh-huh. he just keeps talking about all the things he's going to do with ten thousand dollars. And I texted yeah. Spencer. I was like. This is the most Georgia fucking thing that's ever existed in a movie. <laughs> it's this dude winning ten thousand dollars and thinking he's so fucking rich. Like, like it's insane. And like that's the kind of thing that Greg Garcia like brings to it. Like, yes, these people would win ten grand on a lottery scratch off and be like, "Holy shit, we're rich. We're gonna like buy a house and put in a hot tub and a swimming pool." And it's like. You don't know what ten thousand dollars is. A after taxes, it's like five thousand, six thousand dollars. Like so, like that's not even enough money to buy a car, man. <laughs> like yes. Oh but, my god. Um. Yeah, but sprung, man. It it's so good, and everybody in that show is just game. Like, um, I mean, Garrett Dillahunt's another one that like he's always just game for. Like yes. whatever he's in, but like he's just that good of an actor. Um, I, I felt bad for him. Do you follow him on Twitter? Um, I don't. Uh, which I should correct. Um, he's, he's been tweeting about the Seahawks. Oh my God! <laughs> he's yes, a huge oh God. Seattle Seahawks fan. Um, oh, and <laughs> that the heartbreakingest tweets yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> just too oh. real and i was like i feel so bad for this guy <laughs> oh, oh man oh like but i mean like let's be honest like like we talked about ain't nobody other than seahawks fans thinking that the the niners are gonna like they're gonna stand in the way of the niners like yeah it's just like you watch them play and it's just like yeah y'all these guys are going to the super bowl like not even like I'm actually thankful that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers did not go because we were gotten embarrassed again because it seems like our kryptonite is the San Francisco 49ers. Um now like you know it, it I mean like but it was very obvious that they were going to lose. I just didn't think they were like I don't think anybody thought that they were going to lose the way that they lost by like 20 points. Like I mean that was just a shellacking. Um yeah. With six touchdown throw, uh, six touchdowns for Purdy. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, that 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 dude was just on fire, man. Like yeah. it is, it is crazy. Like, Trevor, like, yeah, like Trevor Lawrence last night, man. After the half, after the second half. Oh Good my Lord. God! Yeah, that that was that. What what an incredible uh, football day it was yesterday. <laughs> which we're we're gearing up for hopefully another good one today. So. Yeah, yeah. If if we can get another comeback like that, like if you guys didn't, you guys don't know, you guys don't know. But like you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence kind of proved that that the Chargers are still the Chargers, and like you know, without some without Philip Rivers <laughs> or a miracle, which is Philip Rivers in that one season, 
Um, he ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah. wow. When it came back, like that's actually like a like that's a perfect that game is almost like a perfect uh, thirty for thirty episode, like because of just just how it, like if you didn't watch sports and if it was in a movie, you wouldn't think like that would be just complete and other crap, right? Coming yeah. back from thirty, I mean, like my wife came by, like like we were watching it last night, and I was watching it, and she was a. <laughs> Like she actually looked at me. She goes, "Why the fuck are you watching this? This is a murder." And yeah. I even told you that. I was like, "Are you watching this murder on TV?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I just feel like I was like, I don't know. I feel like something something crazy is going to happen." And sure as shit, he just it just came. Talk about epic fall, like an epic comeback and an epic failure in one, right? Yeah. Like like that that dude that coach is going to lose his job. I feel like. How do you like that's like that's failure, right? Like, is it failure on his part, or is it just everything just doesn't go your way? I, I mean, yes and no. I mean, like, it was such a perfect storm of like, <laughs> I can't believe we're, we're gonna end yet another week talking Again. about the NFL. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but anybody who doesn't care has already turned it off. So, yeah, exactly. um, but it's such a perfect storm of like. I text I texted you I think before the end of the first half and was like yeah. the fucking Jaguars cannot catch a break like that nothing is going their way absolutely nothing no calls nothing like they just yep. you know not even their mistakes just anything that could go sideways for them was going sideways you know stupid interceptions, like ridiculous interceptions. Um, I mean, he took what four interceptions in the first half, um, uh, three to the same person. <laughs> like, um, uh, 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 like a, there was a weird fumble well, that might've been on the charge. Yeah. So, um, but like it, nothing was going the Jaguars way. They go in scoring a garbage touchdown. <laughs> Like yep. just a last minute, like Chargers being like, okay, we're just ready for halftime touchdown. Um, they go in, they come out at halftime, and when nothing was going their way in the first half, everything seemed to go their way in the second half. Like anything that could fall their way was falling their way. Um, down to like uh, idiot players throwing their helmets. Like yes, onto the Joey field. Bosa like, being a dumbass. Like I get your piss because that dude's like they even replayed it. Like, is he like just a little bit of a false start? Yeah, man. But like you're talking about second, like milliseconds of a false start that yep. you're not always gonna get those calls, man. Like there's there in the first half. There was a clear, like, holding call in the end zone that, that didn't get called. And there was in the second half, too. Like, you're on, on, on both sides of the ball. Like, you're not going to always get those calls. You mm -hmm. can't then make dumbass mistakes, you know, that give them a, even more opportunity, you know? Like, yep. it, it, it was 
ridiculous because there's no way i don't think they would have gone for two not that it ultimately mattered but i don't think they go for two if they don't get the damn ball at the six inch line you know yes like seriously (laughs) i I just it was it was like a perfect storm for them dicker has missed one field goal all yes like and he Two. He misses two. Like, I, I don't even understand. Like, I really don't understand. Like, it was magic last night watching that. And it's like, I it just, it's, this is why you watch sports, right? Like, this is why you watch sports is because, like, the incredible can happen sometimes. And it's like, let's hope that this is, this is the way that it goes today. And we see some magic today uh, because there's some great matchups. Um, and if you if you didn't watch sports, you would think that what we were talking about was utter crap and it was all scripted because it's not, but it's not, it's just literally just, I, wow. It was, it was incredible last yeah. night. And now, it just had I, to share for a couple I seconds. I wish I'd have got to see the entire 49ers game. I only got to see the last half of it, but like uh, okay. going back to them, man, like it's fucking hard to beat the same team three times in one year. It is yep. hard. Like if you sweep a division uh, or uh, yeah division team yep. in the regular season and then wind up having to play them in the uh, postseason, it, it, like the only thing like you're like fuck we already beat these guys twice they've coming in here with the most giant chip on their shoulder and I mean Sam Fran walloped the Seahawks both times yep. in the regular season. Well, I shouldn't say one of them was twenty-one to thirteen, but uh, that first game they beat them like twenty-seven to seven or something. Um, but like, and, and they their last game was like just a month ago, so yep. like you would not have thought it would have been the game that it was. But like, I don't know, yeah, Brock Purdy, man, like, yeah, he's got it. He is hot at the the right time. Right I mean, time. At the you know. right time, and that's and that's all that matters, right? Like at the end of the day, like whenever you get hot and healthy and stay healthy and hot is all in which and all in which how like and add a lot of has to do with luck in the way that it plays out. And like you know, like we and, talked about, like yeah. Niners, Niners, Bills, Super Bowl seems like it's going to be likely, though. Yeah. Can the never Bills can beat 100- the Chiefs? <laughs> yes. Can anybody beat the Chiefs? Yeah. Well, can anybody beat Patrick Mahomes? Because yeah. it's not it's not necessarily the Chiefs as much as it is Patrick Mahomes no, and Joe Travis Burrow Kelsey. can beat Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> Shiesty Joe, man. You, you can't trust anybody from LSU, man. They they're, they're sneaky sneaky, man. Um, they play so, the Ravens tonight, and oh. like the Ravens QB is out, man. So yes. like that. But it could be one of those weird, like, games where, I mean, Purdy was the third-string quarterback. (laughs) Seriously. You know, I mean, anything could happen, of course. But, like, uh, Burrow and the Bengals seem to have, like, a a fairly good path. Like, that AFC, those, that AFC thing is going to get real. Like, that's super cloudy, man. Like, the NFC, the, the 49ers, I'm with you, it seems like they are... The like, uh, Dak could 
like not suck and like the the Cowboys could at least make it. We could have a nineties mm-hmm. uh, repeat of a nineties showdown. The Cowboys Forty yeah. ers like when they were just <laughs> both the teams, you know, the Steve Young Troy Aikman eras, um, you know, and it could be forty. Like I think I texted you Forty ers Chiefs in the Super Bowl, like which yeah. is a straight up nineties thing. You know, you got Steve Young Joe Montana facing down his old team. You know. Like it's, yeah, I don't know. I love the playoffs, man. <laughs> I do too, man. And, I mean, I hate and, that and, neither one of our teams is in it, but I love the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it frees us up. Like it, it frees us up to like enjoy the game, like yeah. itself. Like like last year, I I had more fun watching playoffs than I had in a long time because of the elevated nature of all of these guys, these kids. I mean, they're literally kids. They're these guys are half our age, other than Mahomes, who's <laughs> oh, most of them are younger than the dude that won a national championship this year. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, uh, like I think that they said that uh, Lamar Jackson and and uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. Statesman. Stetson. Stetson. Yes, Stetson. Yeah, are the same, the same fucking age. age. <laughs> I was like, Lamar Jackson has been in the fucking NFL for like eight years. Yeah, I was like, how the hell is that possible? I mean, but he basically again, came out like his second year of college. He was year. like, I'm declaring yeah. for the draft. <laughs> and Stetsman is a super duper senior. Like, you know, yeah. he's getting his doctoral thesis on yeah. some shit. <laughs> oddly uh, enough, he's still not the oldest quarterback to ever win a national championship. No, he's not. No, he's, he's not. 28 was the oldest, which seems really fucking old <laughs> to win. Yeah, that's like, like, I mean, I know I'm old, but like, you know, I mean, that would, that would that's almost a 30-year-old walking onto the field and <laughs> beating up on yeah. some kids. <laughs> exactly. Most of them like, are like 18. <laughs> so. Well, and the scarier part is, is that most defensive linemen and offensive linemen's careers end before they're 30. Yeah. So this dude was walking onto the field when most NFL <laughs> careers have ended by this point because yeah. they've had like eight years of complete and utter battery against one another. Um, uh, but yeah, like, uh, and that's just another kind of like, like you know what? Eventually, we're probably going to end up like, uh, like being those two dudes that end up starting a football podcast. Like, I, I, I don't know why, but I feel like we're going to end up doing that. Two forty-year-old white dudes starting a fucking football <laughs> co- podcast. How fucking cliche is that? Um, uh, because we just keep on watch, talking about it. Oh. Watch the games live and just call them. <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, you know what? The oddest part about last night was watching, like, Al Michaels, listening to Al Michaels without... Yes. <laughs> and my favorite part was the moment where he took the time to thank everybody in the behind-the-scenes crew, mm-hmm. which was like a subtle fuck you to, to Collinsworth. But, I mean, you know, any time that somebody can throw shade at Collinsworth, I'm all for. Because I just dislike Collinsworth so much. Yeah, there was a lot of <laughs> lot of online chatter about like how was Al Michaels calling this game? <laughs> like, didn't he sign a deal with Amazon? But I guess yeah. it's because Amazon doesn't ha- like their contract is ended. So yeah, playoffs. Like, yeah. And, and, and of course, Al Michaels, like you know, uh, Al Michaels is like, I want to. I want to commentate for you, but yeah. I'm not going to do it with Collinsworth. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, Mike Tirico is the MVP of NBC Sports because he has to deal with uh, with Collinsworth now. I mean, Collinsworth is actually as bad as Madden was at the end. Not even in the middle, like at the end. Like Collinsworth is losing his mind in a way that I sit there and I don't even... I yell at him at least, like, I yell at least three or four times in a game. And oh, just yeah. go and, and and scream at him because he's I, just like I I would regret the days that the Falcons had to play in prime time because I'm like I've got to listen to this jackass who cannot ever say a single positive thing about about any team that I like. Yes. So yes. Um. Yeah. It, it just. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, hated. I hate every time he says. Here's a dude. I'm like, shut the fuck up, Collinsworth. And because I, you're talking about any everybody that we hate. Yeah. And I, you know what though? Like, I, as much as I don't like the guy, yeah, I, I think he's a better announcer than uh, Tony Romo. I think oh, he's better yes. than uh, that dipshit that used to be a quarterback for the Jets. Um, <laughs> like yes. it just. Like, they're so bad. And I know people that love, they're like, oh, Tony Romo talking football. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, he sounds like a pretentious asshole, man. Like, dude, how many rings you got? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, exactly. If, That's you how knew, many rings you if you knew as much as you say you know, like, he'll be in the booth just like, they're about to call such and such and such and such play. And I'm like. Okay, whatever, man. He's like, and then he'll say, "Well, I'm going to get a phone call tomorrow from from that offensive coordinator saying, um, don't be giving out our plays on, you know, when like blue 32, green 47.' Like he's like, "Well, I know that that's a such and such play." Like, okay, man. Like, if you're so great, why aren't you at least on the field coaching? Like, shut yes. up, dude. Shut up. You know, <laughs> like Peyton yeah. Manning doesn't do that. And he was Peyton fucking Manning. <laughs> so, exactly. Eli Manning doesn't even do that. And he's got two uh, rings. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, like, you know, one against one against Brady. Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yes. But um, <laughs> we, um, yeah, you guys will have to stay tuned for next week when, uh, you know, <laughs> Adam and Logan. Don't worry. Football's uh, only got like a month left. <laughs> So, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. But, so uh, go check out everything else we're doing over at xwingfiles.com, including the now on iTunes brand new podcast, Pod Lasso, Talking Ted with Jess and Logan, the Ted Lasso podcast that my friend Jess and I started. Um, you know, we're only a few years late to that party, but damn it, we want to talk about Ted Lasso. So uh, exactly. go check that out. It is on iTunes now. That's Pod Lasso. And go write and review this show on iTunes. Yes. And uh, if you want to uh, read my work or Logan's work, you can go to uh, you can go to the movieisle.com. Uh, Logan's, um, Logan's year in review. Is on the is on is on the site. Sorry about that. Um, is on the site right now, uh, which you can read, which I I totally enjoyed, and we didn't get to talk about. But no matter, because we will probably talk about it next week, because I will probably have my best of lip 
list up next week and we can kind of talk about um great movies from 2022 if we haven't talked about them already um but then um but yeah please um read uh read logan's work there um and my work and i think yeah yeah, that's it we will be back next week talking about god knows what probably at least night court (laughs) exactly (laughs) i think a few more things premiere but like nothing i can really the last of us premieres oh that's right last of us i was like i know there's something else that everybody was like this is coming this is like eh, i'm okay i'll probably watch the last of us so we can probably talk about that i never played the games though so you know. Right. I mean, no, nothing wrong with that. Um, nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, we can actually have a conversation about video games and video game adaptations. Is kind of actually kind of great. This might be the fucking year for video game adaptations, man. It might like, be. It just might be. This might be where they turn that ship around. They've only been trying yep. to do it for like forty years. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm gonna watch. That- I'm gonna watch Double Dragon this week. <laughs> <laughs> I have the Blu-ray of it. I, I will I can watch that too. <laughs> oh, I know. All right. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario, number five, Weird Al, number six, Batman, number seven, Cal Number eight, Simpsons, number nine, TV, number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s, but before they all sold out, see it all together if you with me now. Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit.